Brothers and sisters, I'll ask you to turn to Micah, or simply listen as I read it. It's right after Jonah in the Old Testament, a minor prophet, Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Micah 5. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel in the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time then she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He shall be their peace. Now we turn to Matthew chapter 2, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, of Bethlehem and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Sends the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of God abides forever. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we thank you for giving us the word of God. And now, O Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight as we open your word and look into it and see the wonders of our Savior here. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously, this passage is read a lot at this time of year, rightly so. But when I read this passage, I think of science fiction movies. And why is it that in science fiction movies, 
the great big huge flying saucer is so slow. You know, it comes, it comes in a little quietly, rumbling. It comes in this great big huge flying saucer, slowly creeping up on us. How can it fly so slow? Well, in the movies, particularly if you're in the theater, and there's the rumbling of the whole building because of this thing, obviously because it's so dreadful and so scary, it's doom approaching. Brothers and sisters, the birth of our Savior was to bring doom, but not to you. The birth of our Savior was to bring doom to the kingdom of darkness. It was to bring dread upon the opponents of God, his enemies. It's like that flying saucer coming in. Someone came from outside our creation. He came to be born of Mary. And that's what we're looking at here in this passage. We're actually seeing this happen before our very eyes in this passage. We see Herod and the Magi. So Herod, who is called Herod the Great, interestingly, is a subject king of the Romans, who died around 4 BC. There's some doubt about his, uh, the year of his death. Uh, some uh, work has been done on that. But he uh, ruled from the 30s BC to about 4 BC when he died. Herod himself was not born of Israel. He was from Idumea. His father was an Idumean or uh, Edomite, it's called. So he was a descendant of Esau, whereas his mother was Arabian. But he converted to Judaism, so he was Jewish by conversion, uh, so that he might be a subject king over Israel. He's called Herod the Great because of his economic uh, transformation that he made. So he was a great builder. Uh, he, of course, you may know, rebuilt the temple, as well as a number of palaces and other things, some of which were useful. It's interesting that it says, he, you know, you always read in the history books, Herod built this and Herod built that. Well, he didn't do any building personally, and it's not like he used his own money. He took tax money to build these things. So it's not like he, he uh, you know, worked and raised a bunch of money and then used it to, out of generosity. No, he just put taxes to work for these great buildings. Uh, and part of it was to uh, build up his great name. But if you want to read about Herod, I don't really advise it. Uh, I've read about him in one of our ancient sources named Josephus, and frankly, it's not very edifying reading. The thing about Herod that you read most often is all the times he showed his bloodthirstiness and his brutality. This is a man who was a great brute of a man uh, who had absolutely no compunction about putting people to death, including his, uh, one of his wives and three of his uh, sons, including his oldest son, whom he put to death five days before he died in uh, March of 4 BC, uh, so that the Emperor Augustus, who was emperor at the time, uh, said a kind of a funny quip 
uh, about Herod, it was safer to be one of his pigs than one of his sons uh, because he would, wouldn't eat uh, pork, of course. Well, there's a pun there because the Greek word for pig is hus, and the Greek word for son is huios, and so it's spelled H-U-S for pig, H-U-I-O-S for son. So it was this, this pun, but nevertheless, the point is made, safer to be a pig in Herod's palace than one of his sons, uh, because he was a brutal man and bloodthirsty, uh, and particularly toward his sons, whom he thought would rise up against him and take his throne. And then in contrast, we have these magi. We're only told in our text uh, there were wise men from the east. These, of course, are the magi. They came from the east. We're not sure exactly where that is, probably Persia. Uh, ancient Persia embodied most of Iraq and Iran today, uh, and then parts of Arabia, uh, which would be south of that area and in the ancient times, uh, what is you know part of modern-day Jordan, you would say. Uh, and it's interesting that these magi show up. The, when you start reading about magi in the ancient sources, they show up as you know these interesting guys who you really wouldn't expect to have any interest in the birth of the king of Israel. Um, so they probably had some knowledge of the Jewish scriptures. They would have read as much as they can from the different uh, peoples, the sacred texts of the different peoples, including the Israelites who, were, who had been banished into that area. They had been deported uh, under the time of the Babylonians and previous to that, the Assyrians. So there were Jewish people who remained in that area and these Magi probably knew uh, our scriptures to some extent. And they were more like these magicians in the court of Pharaoh at the time of the Exodus. Uh, they were in some time, in some places and times regarded as uh, people who were a threat to the kings. They were advisors, but also uh, sometimes the kings uh, felt threatened by them and put them to death. They were court officials. Uh, they probably engaged in astrology as well as astronomy. Uh, so these are, these are people who are, uh, the, the point is these are, these are men who came uh, to Herod, but they seem the most unlikely. They come out of the blue. Uh, they see his star, and they come. And so if you're reading this for the first time, you're really surprised that these guys appear. Obviously, something great and strange is happening, sort of like that hovering UFO. This is really strange and ominous. Uh, particularly, uh, perfectly understandable, they go to Herod and say, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star rising in the east. Uh, which is quite interesting. They come to Herod, which is perfectly understandable. They probably think it's one of Herod's sons, one of the few he didn't put to death, that is. Uh, so they didn't know about that. Uh, and interestingly, they say, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And Matthew says twice, at the beginning of our text, verse 1 and verse 3, 
Herod the king. Where is he who's born king of the Jews to Herod the king? So, understandable, they come to Herod the king uh, to find out where the king was born, the new king, the one who's going to supplant Herod, you would expect. This is why Herod was putting his sons to death. He thought he'd be supplanted by his sons. And here is this: these people coming from the east out of nowhere, uh, really surprising, and people who had a certain kind of... Uh, re- a certain kind of reputation for being uh, discerning about these kind of uh, strange spiritual events, uh, asking about this because they've seen a star, uh, and it is an unusual star that led them to come to Herod. So this is, this is quite an ominous uh, event. Interestingly, as we turn now to what Herod says, and look at Herod and his allies at the approach of the Magi. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, as well as all Jerusalem. It's an interesting response, isn't it? He was troubled. Why wasn't he rejoicing? No, he was troubled along with all Jerusalem. This stirred people up. This is an ominous dreadful uh, event, something that brings a certain awe and uh, concern for their future. He who is born king of the Jews. Interesting, when Herod heard this, he assembled the chief priests, we'll come back to that, those are the high priests, uh, and scribes of the people, scribes we encounter later in Matthew, and we've been preaching through Matthew later, uh, we fa- found the scribes before. They're basically Bible scholars, people who are expert in the scriptures, uh, scribes of the people. And interestingly, Herod inquires of them where the Messiah is to be born. It's not just any king, but it's the Messiah king. It's the one who comes as Messiah uh, to be born. Where is he going to be born? Obviously, as a man. Uh, This is is very interesting in light of what's going to happen later. You know, one of the things what I'm hoping to accomplish here with you is to start seeing here what we're seeing later in Matthew. Matthew is a unified composition. And this is laying the foundation for what's coming later in Matthew. We'll show a little bit of that later, but also in the sermon series uh, that we're picking up later. So in January, I'll start picking up with uh, the end of Matthew 11 and then just proceed through the rest of the gospel. But here is we're laying down some of the foundation for that and things we will see again. Well, what's interesting is none of these people in Israel, Herod the king, the high priests who are charged with the spiritual uh, care of the people of Israel, the scribes who are going to teach them the content of the scripture and edify the people of God so that they will not wander, they'll be true to the word of God, they will know it, they will follow the Lord, they will be edified, they will grow as, uh, as the people of God chosen uh, to be his prized possession, These are the people charged with that and and guaranteeing 
uh, and edifying and building them up, none of them are looking for the Messiah. The star appears and no one's looking in Israel. It takes these guys, these Gentile guys in the East, to come and inform them, to tell them, to tell the people of God, your Messiah has been born in your midst. Where is this? Now, to their credit, the Bible scholars get it right. So don't, don't think that they're ignorant of Scripture. They're not. And don't think that they can't interpret Scripture. They can. And they do it correctly. They go to Micah, and they say in Bethlehem, and they get it right, which is exactly what Matthew tells us. They interpret it this way. Matthew says, this is what the prophet says. They got it right. He was born in Bethlehem for that reason, and the prophecy is of him. Notice, the Prince of Peace is born in Israel. Uh, so they get it right. Interesting later, these high priests. I want to talk about them. We're going to see them again in Matthew, in places where it will shock you. First of all, notice high priests. They're, it's called chief priests, but it's the same word. How many high priests are there supposed to be? Children, how many high priests are supposed to be in Israel? One. You're appointed a high priest for life, and you only step out of your office after you die. And then one more high priest is appointed, and that's it. The Romans used the high priesthood as a political office and shuttled people in and out who kept up their interests. And Herod was involved with that. These are people allied with Herod and with the Romans. So you have more than one high priest being appointed, and then he gives up the office of somebody after them. So you have a number of people who have this honorable uh, position of retired high priest. Well, there is no such thing according to the scripture. So they've already shown that they're uh, unconcerned about violating the law of God. Then we read about the high priest at the end of the book of Matthew here, Matthew 26, 3. Let me read this. Then the chief priests, high priests, and the elders of the people gathered together in the palace of the high priest, this is Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus to, by stealth and kill him. They're going to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Notice, they're not going to arrest Jesus and try him and give him an, a chance to clear his name at a fair trial. They're going to seize him by stealth and kill him. These are the leaders of the people of God for their Messiah. These are the same people who had an opportunity to go to Bethlehem and find out for themselves whether he was the Messiah or not. They could have followed along with the Magi. The Magi were there as ambassadors from God from the East. Remember what we read in, in Micah from the west and the east. Here are the ones from the east coming in to announce the birth of the Messiah to the people of God. 
they could have gone to Bethlehem too. It's six miles away from Jerusalem. It's not that far. Two-hour walk. This is, this, is, it, this is the strangeness of this whole event. The people of God and their leaders, no one else goes with the Magi. They're going alone. None of the people of God, after they hear that Micah has prophesied this birth, they don't go to inquire, could this actually be our Messiah? Where is the Messiah going to be born? Bethlehem. These guys say he's just born. Ooh, let's go look. Let's go see. No one does. You know, pretty soon, we're going to come to the Lord's table. And may I remind you in 1 Corinthians 11, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. He came as our Savior, but a Savior who would save us alone. It's just like that text in Isaiah. The Lord looked and he saw there was no man. There was no one to deliver his people. All the leaders of God's people, there was none who cared about all the murder and mayhem in their midst. There was no one to lift up his arm and save the people of God. There was no one righteous, not one. So the Lord put on his own armor. And he girded up his own sword, and he came down. He came like a rushing river at the time of a flood, blown along by the wind, by the Spirit. The Lord came down, the Lord alone. He saw there was no man, so he came. And here he came in this humble form, born of the Virgin, in this small, insignificant town, but a town where the, where the Messiah would be born. Brothers and sisters, these foreigners, they came. Let me read to you from Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. His glory will be seen among you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The light of the Lord has shone, just like this star. We don't know what the star is. It could have been a supernova, or it could have been an alignment of the planets. You know, when I go out early in the morning and look out my backyard, I just see these stars and planets, and I'm intrigued by them. I haven't been in this area in a long time. I moved away 40 years ago, came back. Uh, and, and, you know, Orion is right over there, but I see these planets, and they're so bright. And I think about this. I think about the star hovering over the birthplace of our Savior. Brothers and sisters, our text goes on in verses Matthew 2, 13 and following, with the terror and the purge of Herod, Herod the evil, this is, this is how the text unfolds. And you know it then unfolds with the murdering of the children. He, instead of going to see the Messiah, he instead tries to murder them all. He was the king of violence. Have you, does this have any echo in your mind of Matthew 11 that we looked at not too long ago? 
Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. He says, the kingdom of heaven has forcefully been making an advance into this world, but violent men are attempting to seize it. Here is this attempt by Herod to seize the kingdom of heaven and to overthrow it. But it will not, it will not, it will not stand. You might as well hold up your hands and try to stop the wind to stop the kingdom of heaven making an advance into this world. Because here he is, the Prince of Peace was born in Bethlehem for us. Jesus, our compassionate King, he came to dwell among us in this humble way. It's interesting, isn't it? He's the star of this show, and he doesn't say anything or do anything yet. Oh, but he will. Oh, oh, he will act. He will act in an incredible way. He will, he will stride forward as the great hero, the one who does not flinch, no matter how much terror it may hold for him, he does not flinch from going to the cross to bear the sins of all of his people. That's why he came, born of a woman, born of Mary for us. This is our Savior. This, this is our Savior born in this midwinter time, this time when it's bleak, when the darkness seems to cover the earth, and he came as the light of the world. So this is what Christmas means to us now to recall that the light of the world came in through our Savior. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Lord, words fail us. We need, we need our best poets to compose for us hymns of praise to you. So we sing some of them now. But even then, they fall short of the glory of the birth of our Savior. For our Messiah, was, our Messiah was born for us, born of a woman. God of God, light from light, born as a humble child, that you may grow to maturity, but not to live a long life, but instead to go to the cross for us all. We thank you and praise you for Jesus, our great Messiah. Amen.